Thank you for firing up the Sunrise Church podcast. My name is Steve Garcia, and I am the lead pastor at Sunrise. We are a community of Jesus followers from all walks of life, all colors of skin, and all ages. And I hope this message you hear today inspires you to deepen your connection with Christ. Let's dive in. Good morning, family. Great to be with you again. My name is Steve Garcia. I'm the lead pastor here at Sunrise Church, and we want to welcome all of you to the Rialto campus. Sunrise is one church in multiple locations. We've got campuses in Banning, Ontario, Victorville, Spanish campuses, and also our online campus who is joining us live. And so special welcome to you. If I haven't gotten the chance to meet you, I'd love that opportunity. I'll be hanging out in the courtyard afterwards. I'd love to give you a handshake or a fist bump and welcome you to Sunrise Church. Well, let's dive into today's message, shall we? You know, I've had an opportunity to travel all over the world. I've done a lot of short-term mission trips, going to foreign countries and telling others the good news of Jesus Christ. And a number of years ago, I was working at a different church, and I was helping prepare a team that was getting ready to do an international mission trip. And that's a lot of preparation. It's a big deal to go travel overseas and do that kind of thing. There's, you got to get the right paperwork, the right shots, cultural sensitivities, knowing the kind of work you're going to be doing there. It, it takes a lot of preparation. And so I had the privilege of helping this team and their leaders get ready to go. And everything was going great until the night that they were leaving. And so they had a late night flight, and so the plan was they're all going to meet at the airport at 10 p.m., uh, meet at, at the ticket counter, uh, say their goodbyes, and they're all going to walk off to the gate together. At 9 p.m., I'm sitting at home watching a, a movie with my wife, and my phone rings. It's the trip leader, and he says, I don't think I can go on this trip. I'm like, oh, that's a good one. That's pretty funny. Uh, that's, that's a good joke. And he goes, no, no, Sears, right now, I'm freaking out. I cannot go. I cannot go. I cannot get on that airplane. I'm like, okay, slow down. <laughs> Let's just breathe. We talked about this. We knew that when it was going to get down to it, you've got a fear of, of flying. We know that the, the last second nerves are going to kick in. That's all this is. Calm down, you're going to be fine. No, 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 I can't go, I can't go, I can't go. I mean, he is emotionally keyed up. I'm like, ah, oh, come on, man, you, you can do it. Let me, let me pray for you. He's like, no, I'm not going. I mean, he's getting, like, really upset. And I got to be honest, I was a little ticked off. <laughs> I'm like, okay, you're supposed to be there in an hour. And so I start trying to be a little more firm with him. Like, listen, man, that team is counting on you. You need to get to that airport right now. He's like, no, I am not going. And so I said, well, buddy, you were supposed to bring, like, the, the supplies for the team in your luggage. If you don't go, then the team's going to be totally out of luck. He goes, well, well, all the supplies are packed in a separate bag, and they're at the church. I'm like, okay, fine. If you don't go, then you at least need to go to the church, get that bag, show up at the airport, and tell the team yourself that you're not going. He goes, no, I'm in, I'm in no state to drive right now. I'm freaking out. I'm like, oh, my goodness. So I look at my watch, and I'm like, all right, if I leave right now, I could drive to the church, grab that bag, meet the team, and break the bad news to them. Ministry's not always fun, okay? And so I do it. I go and I get the bag. I show up at the airport, and they're all antsy, like, where is our trip leader? And I break the news to them. Hey, he, he's not coming. Here's the supplies. I rally them up. We break up his responsibilities, kind of get everybody together. I pray for him, give him a pep talk, and off they go. And as I'm driving home, I, I, I'm still just in disbelief. Like, I can't believe this guy just did that. All of the months of preparation, all of the training, and when it came time to finally go, 
He flaked in the 11th hour, quite literally. And as I reflect on that story, it got me to thinking, how many of us do the exact same thing? We, we go to church, we read our Bibles, we get involved in small groups, we train, we prepare, we get ourselves battle ready, but when it comes time to step on the battlefield and stand up to the enemy, we fold like a dinner napkin. And, and there's got to be something we could be doing to get in the fight. Today we conclude what's been an eight-week message series about spiritual warfare. In the New Testament book of Ephesians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul wanted us to be both aware of the battle and equipped for the battle. These are his words. Ephesians 6, beginning in verse 11, he says, Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. If you've been tracking with us over these past eight weeks, these are starting to become more and more familiar to you. Paul lists all these pieces of spiritual armor that followers of Jesus have available to them to help them in the spiritual fight. He says, put on the belt of truth. Jesus claimed not just to know the truth, but to be the truth. Putting on the belt of truth is following Jesus. The breastplate of righteousness, this guards our heart against unrighteous choices and helps empower us to make righteous choices. The boots of peace are feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. You need boots to go into battle. Your feet need to be ready for the kind of landscape that you're gonna be facing. And when you place your faith in Jesus, you receive peace with God, and the boots of peace help you take this peace with you wherever you go. The shield of faith is our primary defense against the attacks of the enemy. And when you place your faith in Jesus, no weapon formed against you will prevail. The helmet of salvation guards our thoughts against enemy attack. And then the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, this is a powerful counterattack on the enemy by using the teachings of God to help us in those situations. And so Paul's command for followers of Jesus is to put on all the armor, the full armor, and then and only then will we be battle ready. So once you're suited up, there's only one thing left to do, and that is to actually step into the battle. So where is this battle? Well, Paul continues in his teaching in verse 18. He says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me that so I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Do we see a theme here? The spiritual battle is fought and won through prayer. How's your prayer life? 
I bet if we were to be really honest, I think some of us would say, well, you know, I, I kind of pray a little bit at night, and, but then I just drift and I fall asleep, or sometimes I pray during the day. And yet Paul is saying, this is actually the battleground. This is actually where the war rages. And in just a couple of verses, he gives us incredible insight into spiritual warfare. And so I've been able to, to help consolidate Paul's thoughts based on these verses to give us a few different ways that we can fight the spiritual battles. And so if you're taking notes, I think this is worth writing down. Number one, how do we fight spiritual battles? We pray with spiritual energy. What is energy? Energy is power. Energy is the force that moves something forward. And this is what Paul says to do. Let's reread his words in verse 18. He says, and pray in the spirit. What in the world does that mean? What does it mean to pray in the spirit? Let's start by defining some terms. First, let's look at that word spirit. You may notice in your Bibles that that word is capitalized. Same word that Just one sentence earlier, uh, take up the sword of the Spirit. The Spirit is not a what, it's a who. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. Now, this is a little difficult to wrap our minds around, but the God of the Bible is three in one. One God who carries out various tasks, Father, Son, and Spirit. And so here's an example of how this works. Uh, God the Father sends the Son. Some of you have committed John 3.16 to memory. For God so loved the world that he what? Sent his son or gave his son. The, The father, God the father sends the son. God the son carries out the plans of the father. Jesus Christ stepped out of heaven, took on human flesh, and laid his life down for the sins of the world, dying in our place so that we don't have to pay for our sins ourselves. God the son carries out the plan of God the father. And then when you place your faith in Jesus, God the Spirit moves into your life. The Holy Spirit indwells you and gives you power to overcome sin and live and love more like Jesus. Father, Son, and Spirit. Another way in which we see this triune God working together is through prayer. God the Father sits on the throne. That's where our prayer requests go. God the Son opens the door. When Jesus laid his life down, he makes it possible for us to enter into the throne room of the Father. And then God the Spirit carries our prayers up to that throne room. Father, Son, and Spirit all working together. And so Paul says, pray in the Spirit. And that might feel a little confusing. And so what I like to do when I, when I come across difficult texts in the Bible is I just look at their opposite. So what's the opposite of praying in the spirit, praying in the flesh. The word flesh is one that's used throughout the Bible to describe our sinful nature, our selfish cravings, our reliance upon our own human ability. So praying in the flesh is just telling God what I want and asking him to make it happen. Praying in the flesh is one-way communication. God, here's my list, go do it. Praying in the spirit is two-way communication. It's laying my heart before God, but then also asking him for the power or the energy to respond with whatever he reveals to me. Because very often, what God wants us to do is make changes in our own lives 
Very often, we're the answer to our own prayer requests. Let me illustrate it to you like this. Uh, a number of years ago, my family adopted a dog, a little poodle mix named Maisie. Now, it just so happened that on the day we were bringing home the dog, my wife was out of town. Doesn't happen often, but she just so happened to be out of town on this particular day. And that's a problem because my wife is a dog lover while I am a dog owner. I think you know the difference. I know most of you are dog lovers, so don't judge me. Everybody's different. Um, so when my wife is around, our dog is safe and secure and well cared for. When the dog is left under my supervision, we just have an agreement. We're just, we're just living under the same roof. You know, there's no petting or licking, any of that kind of stuff. It's just like, we just go by each other, right? So now this dog is in my care. It took me exactly three hours to lose this dog. <laughs> I was sitting around the house and thinking, where, where, where'd it go? So I gather the kids, hey, has anybody seen the dog? So we look upstairs, we look downstairs, we look outside, can't find it anywhere. This dog has no identification. None of our neighbors know that we have a dog. For all I know, this dog can be on a bus headed to Vegas. I have no idea, right? And so one of my sons says, we got to stop, and we need to pray that God helps us find the dog. My other son chastises him and says, no, we need to look for the dog. Here's the ironic thing. They were both right. We did need to pray, but we also needed to keep looking. And this is an example of praying in the Spirit. Because very often when we bring our prayers to God, he reveals to us what our personal responsibility is in this. So for example, praying in the flesh might be, God, make this conflict go away. Praying in the Spirit is, God, give me the humility to see how I've contributed to this conflict. Praying in the flesh would be, God, uh, send the money so I can make rent this month. Praying in the spirit would be, God, help me to see how my spending keeps getting me to the same spot at the end of every month. Praying in the flesh would be, God, send me a spouse. Praying in the spirit is, God, help me to be a good and godly spouse to somebody else. You see, there's a personal responsibility in all of this. And for those of you who are wondering, we did find the dog. It was just in a closet, so you could breathe a little bit. But the point is that we are to get on the same page with God. Praying in the Spirit is, God, show me what my part is. I love how the fourth century Christian philosopher, St. Augustine, said it. He said, pray as though everything depended on God. Work as though everything depended on you. You see, the whole point of this message series is not just to get you to try harder. The reality is that there is a spiritual power, a spiritual energy that is available to the followers of Jesus. In fact, the way that Paul opened his whole teaching about spiritual warfare was this way in verse 10. We often miss this. He says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. We're not just wanting you just, hey, do more, do better, rely on yourself to make marginal improvements. No, the, the command is for me to tap into this spiritual power that is made available to me, to pray in the Spirit, to pray with spiritual energy. But there's another way that this plays out that's really, really fascinating, and it comes when you find yourself in a place where you just can't find the words to pray. Listen to a different section of Scripture where the Apostle Paul was teaching on this in Romans 8, 26. He says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, 
We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Isn't that interesting? What Paul is teaching here is that when you get to the end of your rope, when you feel like you can't take another step, maybe you're stressed out, overwhelmed, going through grief, and you can't even find the words to pray, that the Spirit searches our hearts and prays to the Father on our behalf. And to be clear, these these groans, it's not speaking in tongues. It says wordless groans. Literally, we don't have the words for them. This is the Spirit praying on our behalf to the Father, which begs a question, that if the Spirit at work in your life prays to the Father, then why do we have to pray? Why don't we just cut this out of our lives? I mean, I'd rather have God the Spirit praying for me than me praying for me. That's a great question. I'm so glad that you asked. Uh, the Apostle Paul answers this one as well. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, he says, Rejoice always, pray continually, that's key, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the Spirit. Very interesting command. That word quench means extinguish. It's what you do to the campfire in your backyard when everybody's ready to move back inside. You take a bucket of water and you dump it on the logs and they sizzle and they smoke. And what the Apostle Paul is saying to followers of Jesus everywhere is that it is possible for you to do the exact same thing with the Holy Spirit in you. To dump a giant bucket of water by by not... By by not responding, if if you cut prayer out of your life intentionally or just unintentionally by just drifting further and further and further away from God, what you're doing is quenching the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's job is to help us to, to look more like Jesus. And so he prompts us. He guides us. He reveals things in us. But if we silence that voice down, there's only one voice that we hear, our own And we get really selfish. This is what I want. This is what I deserve. This is how I want to spend my time. Think of the impact that has on your life if you stop paying attention to what God wants for you. And I bet there's quite a few of us in here who we know deep down inside that God is actually calling us to do something, but we've been quenching that voice. When you stop praying, you start quenching. And this is why this is ground zero for the spiritual war. This is exactly what the enemy wants. He doesn't want you tapping into the power that is available to you. He doesn't want you growing and looking and living more like Jesus. He wants you on your own strength because you're a much easier opponent to defeat on the battlefield. And this is why it's so important for us to pray continually, to rejoice, to be thankful. In fact, Paul said this in verse 18 of Ephesians 6. He said, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer requests. All occasions, not just when you're in trouble. Not just at mealtime. Not just when you really, really, really need God to tip something in your favor. All occasions with all all kinds of prayers, not just the kind where you ask God for stuff, but with praising, with confessing, with 
crying, with rejoicing, with questioning, with thanking, all kinds of prayers. And when you do this, you're not quenching the Spirit, but you're stoking its flames. And the more you're stoking the flames of the Spirit in your life, you will have a greater understanding of what God wants for you. And that's how you you grow. That's how you overcome addictions and cycles and sin struggles by by having the the power of God at work in your life by, by praying with spiritual energy. That's the first way to fight the spiritual battle. Number one, pray with spiritual energy. Here's the second. Pray for spiritual family. Let's keep reading Paul's words. Verse 18 continues, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Remember, we have an enemy and it's not each other. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We are in a spiritual battle on a spiritual battlefield and you have brothers and sisters that are out there who need your help, who need your prayers. Paul says that we gotta be alert. It's almost the exact same phrase another apostle, the apostle Peter said in 1 Peter 5, 8 when he said, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, I want you to picture this. Let's say that you're up on a hill and you're looking down and you see your friends, your family members, your loved ones, and they're just kind of out in a field. And as you scan in the tall grass, you see a lion in wait, ready to pounce on them. Wouldn't you do everything in your power to try to intervene? Wouldn't you try to like yell to your people down below or maybe throw something or try to get the attention of the lion? You would do something and that's, that's what Paul is saying. That's what Peter is saying, that, that our enemy is, is ready to attack. How do we help our brothers and sisters? By praying for them. Do you pray for other people? If God gave you every one of the prayers that you asked for, what would your life look like compared to the people around you? You probably would have the car you want, the house you want, the body you want. You'd be able to pay all your bills, go on all your vacations. But what would the people around you look like? Do you pray for family members who do not yet know Jesus in a personal relationship? Or have you given up? Do you pray for your spouse? Pray for your kids? Pray for other people in your church, in your small group? Do you pray for your own friends? What both Peter and Paul were saying to Christians is, go looking for a fight. I bet all of us know somebody in our lives who's always looking for a fight. You know, they're ready to argue anything. They have no problem trading blows with a complete stranger. You know, if they were to walk in the room with a black eye, you wouldn't think an accident happened. You'd say, okay, who did you fight this time? You know, I bet we all know somebody who's always looking for a fight. And that's what Paul was saying to Christians. Go looking for a fight, though not a physical fight, a spiritual one. Be alert. Who's around you? Who needs you? A couple of the disciplines that I'm trying to work on in my life are these. Number one, I'm trying to do a better job at just asking people, how can I pray for you? Because if this is where the spiritual war is happening, I want to get involved in that. And the other discipline is that when I get my answer or when someone says, will you pray for me, that I do it right then and there. I want to encourage you to try that. 
The next time you hear somebody say, will you pray for me? Let it trigger something off in your mind and you pray for them right then and there. I don't care if you're standing in the parking lot of Walmart or sitting at a restaurant or, or walking in front of somebody's house. Stop what you're doing right then and there and pray for them. And some cynical people might say, this is so cliche. Is the answer really just pray about it? I mean, can prayer really prevent bad things from happening to people? Maybe not. Prayer can prevent bad responses to the bad things that are happening to us. Prayer can strengthen us as we wait for God to turn around the bad things that are happening to us into good things that are happening to us. Your brothers and sisters might need prayer to stay on track so they're not quenching the spirit and that they're having the power to stay in the fight. Paul says, pray for all the Lord's people. They need us. We gotta be thinking of just outside ourselves, not only just ourselves. Number one, pray with spiritual energy. Number two, pray for spiritual family. Here's the third way to fight spiritual battles. Pray for spiritual bravery. Let's continue with Paul's words in Ephesians 6. He says this in verse 19. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Paul had no problem asking the church in Ephesus for prayer. So guys, I need prayer right now because I'm scared. That's why he said he needs to fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. If he wasn't scared, he wouldn't be asking for prayers to help him to be fearless. And you know what I find interesting is exactly how Paul prayed. Because if I was in his situation, here's how I would have said it. Hey, pray also for me that I can get out of these chains and go home. Hey, pray for me that I could finally get a court date. And pray that the court date goes my way and that justice is served and that I'm set free. That's how I would pray. But isn't it interesting that Paul didn't ask for freedom, he asked for courage. Because Paul understood that though the circumstance in his life was not the one he would have chosen, that God was using it in a greater way. Just a few verses later, Paul said this in Philippians 1, verse 12. He said, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. You know, at the time of this writing, Paul was under house arrest. So he was chained to a Roman guard, but he was allowed to receive visitors, and he got all kinds of visits. He got visits from other followers of Jesus who prayed for him and helped encourage him, but he also received visits from skeptics and philosophers and soldiers and politicians. Because of Paul's imprisonment, he was able to sow seeds of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, all throughout the Roman Empire. And I think it's important for us to, to realize that many of us right now are in spiritual battles and our number one request is, God, get me out of this situation. But what if we're praying the wrong prayer? What if instead of saying, God, break me free, we ask God for bravery? Now, to be clear, if you're in a situation that's abusive where, where you or a loved one's uh, health and well-being is, is put at risk, you got to get out of there ASAP. 
But I'm willing to guess that's not the situation for the majority of us. I'm willing to guess that for, for many of us, we just want out of the situation. But what if God is wanting you to not just run from the situation, but to be brave and to see that God has placed you in this situation because it presents you with a unique opportunity to share Christ with others. Now, Paul was scared because the whole reason he was under arrest was for telling others about Jesus. And he knew the stakes were high. The more he talked about it, the more dangerous it became. And eventually, it caught up with him. Paul eventually received the death penalty in Rome, and he was beheaded. But until that time, he prayed for courage, for boldness, for bravery. I'm not even in chains. I don't live in a country where we're persecuted because of our faith. But yet, I can relate with Paul in the sense of being scared. I struggle with fear. I bet you struggle with fear. How can I, how can I make Jesus known? I'm afraid of how that's going to be received. In fact, in just a couple of weeks, we're going to be starting a new message series about how the Bible answers some of the toughest questions that we ask in life. And I know without fail that at some point in this series, I'm going to need to address what I believe is the single most divisive issue in our country, and that is gender and sexuality. And there's a huge fear of mine. What, what, if I, what if I don't say this right? What if my words don't come out right? What if I offend people and, and, and people leave or there's some kind of blowback? I ask God, God, give me some courage to make the gospel known. I need your prayers to help me with that as well. And I bet for a lot of you, You've got people in your life that, that you want to share Jesus with, but you're, you're afraid. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to say it. I don't know if I'm going to say it the wrong way. Look again at Paul's words in Ephesians 6, 19. He said, pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Listen, when you are asking God to, to give you boldness and courage and bravery, he'll give you the words to say. He'll give you exactly what you need when you need it. And folks, I just believe that right now, both live and online, there are, there are many of you that are facing the single greatest spiritual battle of your life, and that is whether or not you are going to choose to invite Jesus in to be your Lord and Savior, to take over. And you know you better than anyone else knows you, and you just feel this struggle in your spirit. Like, I, I want... To, to, to place my faith in Jesus. I, I want him in my life, but I'm afraid of what I'm going to give up and how this is going to change things. And, and you feel this struggle. But I'm standing before you to tell you that you will always feel this way until you finally surrender to Jesus. And if you want the power to face the problems in this life and the assurance to be with Christ in the next life, the only way to do it is to invite him in by placing your faith in Jesus. Here's the incredible thing. The way we do it is through prayer. So if you've never prayed to receive Jesus into your life, I want to help you do that this morning. In fact, in, in just a few moments, I want to lead you in a prayer that you could repeat after me silently. And it's just a prayer of confessing our sins to God. Because if we don't see anything wrong, we're never going to ask for God's help. So it's confessing our sins to God, but it's believing in faith that Jesus died in my place. He loved me enough to die in my place. It should have been me. 
And that's asking God to change your heart so that you can stick with them. It's not just a fad, like a diet or, or a trend, but that you want to stick with them and really experience life change. So if you've never prayed to receive Christ into your life, then I want to invite you right now to bow your heads, close your eyes all around the room. Let's just bow our heads and close our eyes. I want you to offer these prayers straight up to heaven. Just repeat after me silently. Jesus, today I place my faith in you. Pray that right to heaven. Jesus, today I place my faith in you. I know I'm a sinner. I've sinned against you, God. But I believe you died for me. And today I ask for your forgiveness. Will you wash me clean? Will you give me a new heart so that I could obey you and follow you and leave my old life behind? Today I place my faith in you. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen. Now if you prayed that prayer today, and you genuinely meant it, I want to encourage you to let somebody know. A couple of ways you could do that. If you've got a program, as Pastor Carlo mentioned earlier, there's a little box at the bottom that says, I said yes. In just a moment, our ushers are going to come through and collect today's offering. You could just tear off that card and drop it in the bag, and we'll follow up with you later on in the week. Or you could bring this to the next step table out in the lobby. Those of you watching on sunrisechurch.org, click on the button that says, I commit my life to Christ. Let's get those hands up. Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, follow the link that's provided to you. Again, Church Online, get those hands up. Today I committed my life to Christ. Let us know so that we could pray with you and rally around you. And maybe you've already prayed to receive Christ, but you're not going anywhere. You're not getting onto the battlefield. You're not really growing. If that's the case, we want to help you take the next step. Here's how to do it. Grab your phone right now and text the word NEXT to 909-281-7797. Our Sunrise staff is ready to receive that text and exchange a few messages with you. We won't spam you. We just want to help you grow. Maybe that's finding a small group, some people that you could do life with so you're not in the battle alone or a place to volunteer here, put your hands to work. Or maybe you need some assistance or just someone to talk to. Text NEXT to 909-281-7797 or stop by our Next Step table in the lobby here at the campus. Friends, listen, we are in a spiritual battle. And the way to wage war is through prayer. So let's pray with spiritual energy. Let's not just hand God our list of requests, but let's ask for his power to see what we need to do to partner with him so that we can become the men and women that God's calling us to be. Let's pray for spiritual family. You've got brothers and sisters out there on the battlefield. Don't just think about you. Think about them. Go looking for a fight. And let's pray for spiritual bravery. Let's get some courage and get out there. I hope that this message series has been a blessing to you. And I hope that you remember that you are not in it alone. Jesus did not leave us naked and defenseless against the enemy. He's given us the weapons. He's given us his spirit. Now only one thing remains. We need to get on our knees and get in the fight. So may, by God's grace, may we do that very thing. Amen? Amen.
Thanks again for listening to this podcast. I want to encourage you to not just stop here. Maybe you sense God is speaking to you today and wanting you to take that next step. So here's two ways you can do just that. The first is text the word next to the number 909-281-7797. That's 909-281-7797. You'll receive a message back with some ways to help you grow. That may mean joining a small group or finding a place to serve or just talking with someone one-to-one about your faith. You can also visit the notes for this podcast and follow the links provided. And if you're within driving distance of one of our four physical locations in Banning, Ontario, Rialto, or Victorville, we'd love for you to stop by sometime and give us a chance to meet you personally. Again, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope to see you soon. God bless.